Hello. You know, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Bruce Springsteen had his uh, court date today, the 24th of February, 2021, for those of you listening live. And uh, I told you that I thought it was insane what they had done to him as far as his DWI. And I figured that they would... uh, throw out the two of the three charges. He was uh, charged with DWI, reckless driving, and consuming alcohol in a closed area. Now, uh, he had his court date over Zoom. Apparently, uh, he was fully clothed. And uh, there was no video conference. Uh, It was a federal judge that uh, he went before this morning and there was no video or live stream of it there's none permitted in the federal court proceedings so the three class b misdemeanors were a possible 30 days to six months and up to five thousand dollar fine each huh so since there wasn't enough evidence and bruce apparently pled guilty uh to all three charges, but the two charges, like I said, the DWI and the reckless driving were dismissed. So he's going to, you know, pay his fine for the drinking in a closed park and we're going to move on with our lives. Again, told you so. (laughs) Welcome to Chewing the Fat. How bad do you want to miss work some days? You think to yourself, man, I just do not want to go to work today. I just don't. I just don't feel like doing it. What would you do to miss work? How bad? Do you, have you called in before and said, hey, you know, I don't feel good. <laughs> really sick. Uh, I feel like coming in today. Even in the lockdown, right, there were still all kinds of people that had to go to work and the people who were at home during the lockdown of the pandemic. If you didn't feel like working, it still made it a little bit easier for you not to go to work because really you weren't at work. So maybe you do less work or you just say, hey, I'm not going to look at my email or computer, you know, this morning or sometime this afternoon, something like that. Well, in Arizona, uh, the police arrived to find a man with his hands bound behind his back by a belt and a bandana. And the bandana had also had a bandana in his mouth. And they thought, ooh, man, uh, what's going on? And he claimed that uh, he was kidnapped. He said, I was out completing an errand. I returned to my home. There were two masked men. They abducted me, struck him in the back of my head, struck me in the back of my head, knocked me unconscious, and drove me around in a vehicle before they left me where you found me. They took him to a hospital. He was evaluated. They, he said the reason he was kidnapped was because his father 
had a large amount of money hidden throughout the desert. Huh. So I guess they never got the money or he told them where the money was or he didn't know where his father had buried the money. But the detectives investigated the case and they reviewed some surveillance video around the area, interviewing some people. Hospital records showed that Mr. Souls had no concussion or injury to his head. Text messages reviewed by the detectives did not show messages or phone calls that had been described. Eventually, after repeatedly confronting Mr. Souls with the problems in his account, the detectives concluded that he made it all up. There was nothing. There was no kidnapping and there was no assault. And uh, his father, having hidden treasure in the desert, was also false. Now, he worked at a car shop, the tire factory, where he installed tires and drove around the area to pick up parts for the store. The manager said, uh, yeah, he, uh, he no longer works here. So, apparently, he just did this to get out of work. <laughs> they found him by some train tracks. And some people said, hey, there's a guy out here uh, laying on the ground and uh, looks like he's going in and out of consciousness. So, you know, maybe you ought to come and see what's going on. It was all a hoax. Wow. And maybe you just call in and say, I'm really sick of putting tires on cars. How about I quit? But no. No, I'm going to pretend I was kidnapped and assaulted. And that'll be good. And nobody will ever know. Ah, ah, wrong again, Mr. Souls. <laughs> One thing that isn't fake is uh, residents of Manitoba, Canada. And who doesn't love Manitoba? It's beautiful this time of year. You know, except for all the snow. Um, they are a little wound up. Well, at least the city of Winnipeg complaints department, uh, are getting some complaints because, uh, there's some one or persons going around creating sexually suggestive snow sculptures at city hall. <laughs> So they've asked, they keep posting on their social media site, please stop making sexually suggestive snow sculptures at City Hall. We have camera footage of the persons involved and police will be investigating. And then they have a picture of the snow sculpture because you want to make sure you put that on the social media post. That one has a guy sitting on a park bench with his arms up and what looks to be a female bending down, you know, with her head resting on the other male's lap. Um, <laughs> the next post is a snowman uh, laying back on a park bench uh, with, well, what his uh, 
his man part is blurred out, but apparently he's taking care of a little personal business at the uh, Kildeman Park. <laughs> and the city of Winnipeg wants to remind residents to please stop creating sexually suggestive snow people, especially around schools. And then there's a post of a picture of a man with a backpack walking away from a creation that he created a giant man part with, you know, the two other things that are part of the man part behind an automobile. And the one piece of the man part is up on the automobile, <laughs> which is apparently one of the employees at the complaints department at City Hall. That is awesome. Uh, the clerks discovered her vehicle during a lunch break. Okay. And they are shocked and saddened this vandalism happened to one of our employees. Are you? And they have the picture of what looks to be a man in a hoodie with a backpack. You can't tell who he is, but I will say you can quote me on this. If you know who it is, you know who it is. Um, walking away. So Winnipeg, man, I wish I was living in Winnipeg just for this. This is awesome. And I hope this starts a, uh, a trend around America, if not the world. Uh, we need to have this happen. This needs to happen. We need to have snowmen doing, you know, things that just needs to happen. It just needs to happen because, you know, look, I get it. You don't have to explain to your kids and what is that? And don't look, Bobby, don't look over there and stop at that. I, I can kind of see the frustration, but really I thought, uh, art was art. I thought, uh, art was this beautiful thing. And no matter what it is, it's art. And this guy's creating something that's going to melt or these people are going to create something that is just going to melt when it's, if it ever does melt in. Manitoba. Now, many of the uh, comments on their uh, social media chain are, you know, laughing and excited and find it pretty funny. There are, of course, the usual suspects of this is our society now. A bunch of low T drug addicted sex addicts, pigs out in the snow. Same person. It's the porn that's destroying the world. Well, okay. Uh, you know, if it's going to destroy the world, let's destroy it during the winter. And then, you know, during the summer, you're fine. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it's just uh, really funny. And who's ever making, creating, I'm sorry, not making, creating the art of the snow people and snowmen doing sexual things uh keep up the good work what i'm hoping that you're taking pictures to document on your instagram or at least your own book uh so there's you know an actual uh documentation of the history of your artwork because it was too much to uh have out there into the world 
and not document it and let the rest of the world see it at some point. So who's ever doing it, be careful because they've got pictures and they know they know who you are or they hope they don't really know who you are, but they think they know who you are and they're investigating out there and they gave a number that people can call or text and you let the complaints department know because that complaints department clerk who came out for her lunch break and found that man thing on her car. (laughs) She was, uh, you know, unhappy. And that is vandalism. Is it? Is it really? So for those of you of the uh, gay uh, community and the gay community, I'm sure you're uh, excited about uh, becoming a member of the RV Park and Campground Camp Boomerang in Michigan, in Orion, Michigan. And, you know, for those of you watching, Orion, Michigan is right here. It's a little little east of Grand Rapids, maybe a little northeast of Grand Rapids out there. Their their head guy uh, at Camp Boomerang Brian Quinn, I mean, he's not, he's, I don't want to call him the head guy, but that's, (laughs) he is the head guy, the co-owner, uh, has not yet opened his campground, but he already, uh, you know, has, uh, created a little, little fire, uh, little people getting wound up because he posted on his Facebook page, which has been deleted by the way. Uh, he posted that, uh, this is a membership only RV park and it allows only guys. A guy in terms of this discussion is defined as a person with a penis who represents himself as a male and has state issued ID that says male. He goes on to say, we understand this statement. Unfortunately may not make everyone happy, but I feel it needs to be clarified. Yeah, um, it's our hope that everyone who visits Camp Boomerang enjoys a comfortable, safe, non-confrontational environment going forward. Being a private membership-only entity allows us the ability to build a like-minded atmosphere. We don't mean for this to come off as like, like it or leave it attitude, but we feel it's necessary for everyone to know exactly what our vision is for Camp boomerang now he was asked or inquired on on his facebook post if they were going to enforce the penis checks uh and he said uh anyone without male genitals would build a damper on times when the campers wanted to be naked together we never said anything about checks you know thing checks but let's be real here if we let women that act like men in and they go naked at the pool that's when it's obvious that there's no man part sorry to put it bluntly but if you don't like the rules quietly leave yeah those days are gone uh brian quinn those days are gone uh people refusing to bake cakes for same-sex weddings uh yeah no uh that means that you (laughs) 
are dehumanizing trans people. That's what you're doing. You're dehumanizing trans people. Now, um, one of the co-founders and executive directors of Transcend the Binary, Braden Misilek, Misilek, M-I-S-I-O-L-E-K, uh, any type of policy that would require someone to prove their gender identity is counterproductive to advancing LGBTQ rights and divides our community. As someone who lives with dysphoria, Mrs. Braden, this news is very dehumanizing. Any kind of discriminatory policies like this erase us as a community. It invalidates, and I want to be clear, it invalidates our lived experiences and perpetuates narratives of illegitimacy, which can and does lead to harm for trans and non-binary people. So, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Now you know why he deleted, all right? He deleted the Facebook uh, post and the page, okay? So, maybe he just should have zipped it and kept quiet about, you know, Camp Boomerang. And we can't go uh, without mentioning uh, the horrible car crash that Tiger Woods was in. If you're not aware, Tiger Woods was in a car crash yesterday uh, and injured uh, pretty badly. Uh, smashed up his legs uh, and his ankle. Uh, had to be pulled out of the automobile after the wreck. The car rolled. Um, they Anything now about why it happened is just speculation. Uh, there wasn't any alcohol involved. They don't know about drugs, although there wasn't anything illicit in the vehicle. Uh, that's what the police said. Um, I watched some interviews of some people that live in the neighborhood. They talk about how uh, how the hill that he was going down has caused other accidents before, and it's a dangerous place. So, I mean, we obviously don't know what happened, and we'll you know wait and see and, and find out what the investigation and what Tiger says about it. But horrible news on Tiger Woods. He was just trying to get back into golfing again after another back surgery. And uh, now he's going to be uh, having to rehab through this. They're saying that he's going to be able to walk again. So you got to believe that, you know, that's true. I mean, the medicine and medical uh, advances have proven that. But uh, and they talked about putting a rod in his leg and, uh, you know, his ankle was smashed. So, I mean, just sad if you're a Tiger Woods fan, which I am, and uh, very sad news, and uh, it's probably a good idea. Uh, every <laughs> It's probably a good idea, and I know how difficult it is. We've talked about it on this show before, how difficult it is as, uh, as a, a red-blooded American. It's your God-given right to drive a car by yourself, damn it. I can drive my car anywhere I want, and when I want to go somewhere, I can get in my car and go. That's what my God-given right as an American is, and you're not going to take it from me. Maybe you ought to get a driver. Just a thought. You know, I know you want to, you know, maybe hit up a girlfriend on the way back before you hit the golf course. Maybe. Uh, maybe you're heading out to see another girlfriend because you're doing pretty good with this girl, new girlfriend and it seems like the kids are liking her and she's moved in and everything is wonderful and back in Florida and now you're out in California so maybe you take care of a little tiger business uh, before the golf match 
and you're racing to get there, maybe you get a driver. Just a thought. Maybe you get a driver. You're Tiger Woods. What do you say? You let somebody else drive. Huh? Apparently, it was a, a vehicle from the tournament that he was golfing in. It was one of the sponsorship vehicles. Uh, a good ad for the spot, for the vehicle. If I knew what kind of car it was. I do. It was a Genesis GV80 SUV. And uh, so, I mean, he made it out, man. It rolled a bunch of times. Smashed up really hard, but he made it out. And he survived, had a seatbelt on. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. If I'm Tiger and it was just, you know, I lost control or I fell asleep, you know, I was on some medications, whatever. I say that a muskrat ran out in front of me and I had to swerve. And then now I wrecked. So, man, do I hate muskrats running out on the road. I don't know if that neighborhood has ever seen muskrats before. But when they run out in the middle of the road, I don't care what kind of vehicle you're driving. Uh, you're going to swerve and not try to hit it. Because I love animals and especially especially muskrats. And uh, so, I was driving the Genesis GV80 SUV. Uh, that was uh, provided for me at the Genesis Invitational Golf Tournament, which I was in town for. And man, when that muskrat <laughs> ran out in front of me, oh man, I had to swerve. And darn, man, that's when I rolled and I had this crash. So thanks for coming today. And that's, that's all I have to say. Uh, remember, if you're listening to this right now and you're not a subscriber to the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. It's available on a plethora of platforms. Uh, whatever platform warms the little cockles of your heart. You can choose the platform you're listening to it on now. So let's say you're not a subscriber and you go, oh my gosh, I'm listening on iTunes right now. I should just subscribe here. Or if you're listening on iHeartRadio or Stitcher or Spotify, whatever. Uh, and if you say, you know, I really want to subscribe, but I don't like these platforms. I want to use this platform over here. Good. Use that platform over there. But most importantly, subscribe to the podcast, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Okay? <laughs> okay, then. That's good. Let's just do that. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. In fact, while I'm waiting for you to subscribe to Chewing the Fat podcast, let me tell you, you might as well subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. Uh, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Same name. You don't even have to, you don't have to remember a new name. It's the same thing. So just subscribe to them both and then you're, then you're good and life is all good. Okay. All right. Let's go to the break room. I need a cold drink of soda. Desperately. Oh my gosh. That is so good. Well, Big Chicken was at it again. We've talked about them before, but Pilgrim's Pride Corporation, one of the largest U.S. poultry producers, pleaded guilty and was sentenced to pay $107.9 million to settle federal charges that it conspired to fix chicken prices and pass the costs on to consumers and other purchases. So not only... Was the chicken mafia uh, ripping off you and me? They were ripping off everybody that was buying chickens from them. 
<laughs> now, Pilgrim's Pride is the first poultry company to settle charges that the companies conspired from 2012 to at least 2019 to reduce production in order to produce prices of uh, broiler chickens. Uh, they wanted to boost the prices of the broiler chickens, uh, which account for most of the chicken meat consumed in the United States. Prosecutors estimated that Pilgrim's Pride, illegal, I'm sorry, Pilgrim's Prides, uh, Ill illegal activity affected at least $361 million in sales of its broiler chicken products. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Now, Tyson Foods, another poultry producer, uh, they've been cooperating with the Justice Department. I bet they have. Under corporate leniency, leniency program, Pilgrim's Pride, Tyson, Purdue Farms Incorporated, Sanderson Farms are also facing federal lawsuits in Chicago by consumers, restaurants, supermarket chains, and food distributors over alleged price rigging dating back to 2008. Chick-fil-A, Kroger, Walmart, Cisco were among the plaintiffs in Chicago. Uh, remember back in January, we talked about Pilgrim's Pride and Tyson agreeing to pay $75,221.5 to settle other claims. So the chicken mafia is getting knocked down a little bit, but we all want chicken sandwiches. And so that's just the way it is and that's we don't care what we have to pay for it i mean we do care what we have to pay for it but today i mean mcdonald's is releasing uh three versions of its new chicken sandwich joining you know all the other fast food chains that have new chicken sandwiches and i heard did i read that taco bell was gonna have a chicken sandwich hold, hold on a second don't go anywhere uh stay right there because I got to look up. I thought I read, and I don't have it here in my show notes, but I thought I read where Taco Bell was going to have a chicken sandwich. Let me, don't go anywhere. Please hold. Thank you for listening to Chewing the Fat Podcast. Your listenership is very important to us. We are in the process of gaining more information for your knowledge. Please hold. Okay. Yes, I was right. I mean, thanks for holding. We appreciate your business and your listenership. Now, back. Hello. Yeah, no, I'm back. Uh, yes, I knew I read this. Taco Bell said that they're testing a new taco version of a chicken sandwich. So, the chicken mafia while being that's why they're paying this off and working with the feds because everybody is buying chickens and so that's what they want baby and that bell is exactly what it stands for chicken <laughs> other no, doesn't mean that my phone is fully charged it just means that it stands for chicken i mean you got you got everyone right selling chickens on top of chick-fil-a which is their main focus so i mean Chicken Mafia is bigger than ever. And uh, yum, 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 yum. Nothing like a chicken taco sandwich might actually be good. I see where 
banning Grand Theft Auto and other violent video games is back in the news again. Uh, Representative Marcus Evans is uh, ready to ban, 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 ban with carjackings on the rise in Chicago and elsewhere. This Southside Democratic state representative has introduced a bill that would ban the sale of Grand Grand Theft Auto and other violent games. Welcome to the, what, the 1990s all over again? Uh, Come on now. I thought we are back into ban, 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 cancel, 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 burn, 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 get rid of anything at all that we don't like. And it's just incredible. Silence the other. um, I can't. I can't. Just know that this show and this network, the Blaze Podcast Network, the Blaze Television Network, the Blaze Radio Network, more voices not less more voices not less more important than ever than ever now you can help by becoming a subscriber to blaze tv if you go to blaze tv.com slash jeffy j-e-f-f-y you get 30 dollars off for a year's subscription uh, one of the best prices we've ever had uh, $30 off for a year subscription if you go to blazetv.com slash jeffy. And I think, I don't know how long it's going to last, the $30 off for a year subscription. So if you go there and it says it's not $30 off, it's over. Uh, whatever it says on blazetv.com slash jeffy, yeah, that's what it is. But for right now, like if you were to go there right now on the... 24th of February, 2021, you get $30 off for a year subscription. And again, just to be clear, I don't know how long it's going to last, but you know, now's the time more voices, not less. Now for now, there are less voices on ERCOT, uh, in Texas, the electric reliability council of Texas, uh, five board members of the public utility commission, uh, resigned today. Huh? Five members resigned. Now I know that four of them had been reported yesterday. were going to resign and they all lived out of state. So, uh, incredible that they were living out of state. The one, uh, the board chairman lives in Michigan. The vice chair lives in Germany. Uh, the finance and audit chair lives in Illinois. Uh, Raymond Hepper, the human resources and governance committee chair, doesn't say where he lives, but he worked in the New England energy world for years. So I'm guessing he lives up there. And another lady who is uh, vice president of regulatory and compliance. Uh, she worked and got her degree from the university of Toronto. So I'm kind of guessing she lives in Canada, although I'm not, I'm not real sure. Anyway, they are, uh, you know, it just seemed weird. Now, when you look at their resumes, 
it doesn't seem weird. I mean, they are supposed to know what they're doing. It just doesn't look good. It's the optics of this Texas power energy team that, you know, many of them are living out of state and it doesn't seem right. Now, ERCOT is facing a couple of class action lawsuits or one class action lawsuit and another single lawsuit from a family. Uh, one lawsuit alleges that the total state energy demand during cold weather event peaked. And, uh, they were saying that, uh, during the time this, uh, Marilena Sanchez, who is the plaintiff lost her power, uh, lost water for several days. Um, you know, she's claiming that ERCOT alleged failures to plan and prepare for the deep freeze which may be true, but didn't she uh, lose, um, you know, time and energy by not planning to prepare and preserve? But hey, what do I know? It's the power company's fault. And, you know, one family is suing for $100 million because they lost their child, an 11-year-old boy who died during last week's power outages. And uh, she claimed that the boy played out in the snow that day and then they lost power in their trailer and uh, he, you know, apparently froze to death. Horrible, horrible situation. Is that the power company's fault? I don't know. I mean, okay. I mean, I feel bad for the family. Will they get some money for it? Whatever it is, it's not going to bring back their boy. So... I, you know, I don't know. I just, I just feel bad. Anyway, the uh, power struggles of the great state of Texas is still ongoing. And the five people on the board who did not live in Texas are gone. Have a nice day. So did you see where uh, Lionel Richie is taking some heat? Yeah, he's also getting some heat. Okay. Lionel Richie, 71 years old. 71. His wife, 30. <laughs> uh, okay, Lionel getting some serious business is going on at 71. Uh, people were all wound up about it. He's old enough to be our grandfather. Uh, you know, 40 years age gap. She was zero. He was 40. LOL. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the way it works. Okay. Uh, I'm sure that Lionel's kids are older than that. Yeah. Nicole is 39. So his, uh, his other daughter, uh, and son are 22 and 26. So they're not as old as his wife. So get over it. Okay. Um, they, she, that's awesome for Lionel to do that. And, you know, he's taking heat for it. A lot of people are mad at him. You know, this old man with this young woman. But then it's okay that we write this glowing article about Susan Sarandon, who's 74, and how the article is talking about how she reveals why she prefers to date younger men and struggles, struggles to find appropriate suitors her own age. And this is just, you know, a glowing story about Susan Sarandon, who's 74. And she just broke up with her 31-year-old, 31 years younger boyfriend, who she was dating for five years. 
you know, after she broke up with Tim, you know, Tim Robbins, they were together for like 23 years. And she went on to say in the article that I find it difficult to find older guys who would be appropriate, which people keep pointing out to me if I start going out with someone, someone younger. Well, um, tough, you know, good for Susan and good for Lionel. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. (laughs) You can quote me on that. Okay. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. keep you updated on new properties coming up for sale i see where john travolta is selling his 48 acre 20 bedroom compound he owned with late wife kelly preston up at this private uh isleboro island in maine uh they bought it uh in 1991 shortly after they got married so uh kelly has you know passed away now and i'm sure this was her place so uh, he's dumping it. That's enough. I can't go there anymore. It reminds me too much of Kelly. But it's only, get this, five million bucks. So that's got to be like uh, a place where you could only go to a couple of months a year on this island up in Maine, right? There's no way that you get a 48-acre, 20-bedroom house for five million bucks. No way. It's like living on Mackinac Island. This is a special island in Maine. It's one of those places that you can only go to, you know, a couple of months a year. And after that, it's closed up and you have people that live on the island that take care and make sure everything's okay. But other than that, you know, you never, you never go there. Um, 10,830 square foot home built in 1903. First floor for entertaining large groups to enjoy the custom built bar A dining room decked out with a cozy fireplace and a a vast kitchen that includes a a walk-in refrigerator. And on a nice summer day, the guests can move to one of the two large sun porches. The second floor houses the master bedroom and 14 guest suites. Now the third floor, that's where the magic is. We're pretty sure kids won't ever want to go outside because the space includes a schoolhouse, a a library, a diner, play equipment, and a a built-in stage with props for endless entertainment, and also four more themed bedrooms on the, on the third floor. Now you can go outside if you, if you make it out there, and you can go for a dip on the in-ground pool, you can sip a drink on the back deck, or walk out to the detached garage and barn to visit your car collection, and it's a spectacular ocean view and it's got a deep water dock on uh, Sathabay, Sathabay Harbor. So, you know, you'd say you have beach access and walking paths and gardens. And you want to be able to bring in the, the boat uh, into, the, into the harbor to a dock at the, at the house. So for only $5 million for that place? Come on now. You're, only go, you're, only, you're maybe there a month out of the year. Maybe. And with 14 bedrooms, it's a party place. You're bringing people in. So that was the wife's place. And she was, she's gone now. John's like, I got nothing to do with that. I'll take 5 million and it's all yours. Speaking of islands, I see where uh, treasure hunters are at it again in Michigan. There's an island northwest of Detroit. 
outside of Pontiac, Michigan, where they believe treasure was buried from the Native American chief Pontiac, who uh, the story is fascinating. He waged war against the British around the Great Lakes, and he left this great treasure. He pillaged all these places, and when he took these places and waged war, he told when he took over the forts and uh, took his men to take over, he told them, take what you want. Uh, he always said that white man's greed for gold and silver. And apparently he, uh, you know, took all the gold and silver that he could find and buried it on this apple Island, which sits in the middle of orchard Lake, which is, you know, where the rich folks live in Oakland County, West of Pontiac. And today the Island is a nature preserve. So there's no digging. Uh Uh-huh. So if you can get out to the island and start digging around and you think you might have a good idea where Chief Pontiac buried all this gold and silver, you might just find it. Now, he died in 1769. So after that, the stories started circulating that he took all his treasures to this island because that's where he always returned when he was done with his fights. And uh, so they think it's on the island. Although, you know, apparently when uh, years ago there was an uh, an older Pontiac uh, tribes person who lived, uh, lived in Michigan where her grandparents lived and uh she actually uh the Pontiac Motor Company gave her you know gave him a new car and he was the last living member of the tribe and uh he claimed that chief Pontiac um moved the fortune to a new hiding spot because he feared retribution from the British when he tried to overtake them in Detroit for one of his one of his raids. So they think it might be in Lower Lapeer County because uh, it's said that he buried he was buried in the middle of Seven Seas. So that's either you know <laughs> some other place or on Apple Island. But if you want to go digging. And, you know, you got to do it quietly because it's a nature preserve and no digging allowed. But you can head out to Apple Island in Michigan and start digging around. And maybe you'll come up with gold and silver from Chief Pontiac. Good luck. Good luck. And good luck to the new first black-owned mutual fund uh, to launch... Project Black. Good luck. Uh, Aerial Investments, the first black-owned mutual fund firm in the nation, announced the launch of Aerial Alternatives and the Project Black initiative, which is great. Uh, According to them, it's no secret that the racial wealth gap in America continues to widen day by day. Um, It might not be a secret, but I don't know that it's 
true. Uh, our, their work is going to aim to bring operational excellence, financial resources, minority ownership, and leadership to these companies. Founded Aerial Alternatives, uh, Aerial Investments, was founded in 1983. Uh, has grown to a $15 billion asset company. Wow. Really big. The first mission, Project Black. The goal is to invest and scale minority-owned businesses that can become leading suppliers to Fortune 500 companies. The project will focus on suppliers to various industries, including transportation, technology, manufacturing, and media and marketing. Hmm. Media and marketing. Isn't that interesting? Now, according to the release, interesting little side note, that Project Black will invest in middle market companies that are not currently minority owned. Huh. But it says the entities will be transformed into certified minority business enterprises, as well as, as existing Black and Latinx-owned businesses. The team hopes that Project Black will forge a new class of Black and Latinx entrepreneurs and support supply chain diversity goals. These goals will have a trickle-down effect, boosting economic activity, increasing jobs, and providing access to opportunities for underrepresented populations at all levels. Ultimately, the project will play an instrumental role in closing the racial wealth gap. So really, uh, what they're doing is they're buying up companies owned by the white people and they're not going to sell them to anybody but minority black and latinx entrepreneurs we're just going back to affirmative action kind of except we're just saying that white people are bad and we're gonna we're gonna focus on black and latinx entrepreneurs and support supply chain diversity goals of course we are of course we are. Okay. Good luck. Like I said, good luck. Good luck. And good luck to the, the sea turtles in Israel. Uh, employees at Israel's National Sea Turtle Rescue Center are treating endangered green sea turtles affected by a devastating oil spill that has coated Israel's coast with thick black tar. Now, the spill, which Israel's Nature and Parks Authority has called one of the country's worst ecological disasters on record, has coated most of Israel's 120 miles of Mediterranean coastline with sticky tar. Nasty. Uh, and it's caused extensive damage to wildlife, including sea turtles. <laughs> okay? Including sea turtles. So they came to us, according to uh, the medical assistant at the Sea Turtle Rescue Center, in Tel Aviv, they came to us full of tar. All their trachea from inside and outside was full of tar. It's probably horrible. Uh, the workers have been trying to save these turtles. And uh, they realized that they could save the turtles by feeding them mayonnaise. Now, it doesn't say what kind. I don't know what type of mayonnaise it is. You know, what, what brand but it cleans out their system and breaks down the tar. 
So the recovery is expected like in a week or two. I mean, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. The thing that kind of bugged me is we're spending, and it's, that's what they do. I know they're the Sea Turtle Rescue Center. I got it. You know, it's just like the cold, stunned turtles in Texas uh, on South Padre Island. We rescued them last week, and we just set them free. So, and we saved, I mean, that was hundreds, if not thousands of sea turtles being saved uh, in South Padre Island. So, I kind of get it. Here in Israel, they were saving 11 turtles. So, when they made it seem like it was this huge thing, because it's called caused extensive damage to wildlife, including sea turtles. And there were 11 of them being treated. Now, it doesn't you know, I mean, I don't know how many else, how many died. So I won't make fun of them. Okay, let's save the turtles. But I will say that feeding them mayo made me think of, you know, do we get canned tuna at some point? <laughs> Not with these. These turtles are on the endangered species list. Don't be silly. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But uh, it did remind me of uh, one of my you know, favorite scenes from the movie Night Shift in 1982 with Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton. Yeah, I know. Shelley Long was in the movie too. But uh, Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton were the, were the two stars in the movie. Uh, and hilarious there's some great scenes in that one another favorite is uh, another line that comes from that movie uh is uh, barney rubble what an actor but uh there's a scene in that movie where uh michael keaton is talking to henry winkler and he's you know mr idea man coming up with all these ideas always walks around with his walkman recorder and uh he comes up with an idea about mayonnaise fish what if you mix mayonnaise right in the can with the tuna fish hold it hold it wait a minute chuck take live tuna fish and feed them mayonnaise huh oh this is good call star kissed huh there you go so you've got that to look forward to in the future i know canned turtle yum Oh, 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 oh,